Welcome to the Reality Revolution. I'm your host, Brian Scott. It's a beautiful day to read the amazing words of Quo. I have a very recent channeling delivered on March 25th, 2023 that addresses a number of topics discerning the request for service, wanting versus choosing, the presence of light-filled entities, the carryover of past life trauma, the one known as Taurus Bulba, things speeding up, the breathing in and out of creation, the story of Quo, service to others in groups. So many different things are addressed in this channeling. Quo is a group of higher density beings channeled by LL Research that addresses spiritual questions If you check out previous episodes, we've explored every imaginable topic, and there are so many wonderful channelings. These recent channelings are very powerful. They're addressing what we're going through in this moment, and I love to read the words of Quo. We begin with Jim Channeling. I am Quo, and am with this instrument at this time. It is our honor to greet each of you in the love and in the light of the one infinite creator. We are always thrilled to be with this group for you give us much inspiration by the power of your seeking the truth within the third density illusion. Where the truth is so often obscured, we would be happy to entertain queries with first our always perennial request that you listen to what we have to say. Take it in and use only what is most helpful to you in your spiritual journey. And if anything we say is not that which is of use to you, lay it aside. We would not ask you to believe everything we say, for we are not infallible. We are much as you. We seek the one in all. Our journeys have taken us into those realms of experience, perhaps beyond your own. But we feel very humble in our own seeking, for we know that the journey we are upon is an infinite journey. And we are so pleased to travel this journey with you. At this time, we would ask if there is a query with which we may begin. Yes, Quo, we know from past channelings that to be of service to others, you should wait for a request or an asking of help so we don't infringe on the free will of others. But sometimes it seems like a request for help is asked for, but not actually asked for. That is, wanted by an entity, but they don't ask for it. And other times it seems as though when entities ask for help, what they are asking for does not seem like it will help. What is the best way to use our discernment in those instances? I am Quo, and I'm aware of your query, my sister. This is an important query, for it represents many truth seekers' experience as they move through their daily round of activities. It is not known as you move through your daily round of activities what shall transpire, Shall you meet such a person who wishes to know something of truth from you? And how do you respond? And then again, there is the person who does not ask of you through words, but you perceive through thoughts or intuition that there is service that you may offer. This is the way that your third density illusion is functioning for all seekers of truth. For each positively oriented entity wishes to be of service. And as you have asked, It is how best to be of service. We would suggest that though you can never know for sure that you have been of service, what you can know is your intention. And intention sometimes is aided by what we might call your intuition. And yet again, perhaps it is the asking of the heart within you, where the love, the one infinite creator flows through you to use that flow of love that feeling of intuition of how to share love with those about you and let then that love become your guide to what the moment brings to your mind from your heart. That moment is an eternity that is able to contain every type of service that you may offer and that moment informed by your heart can give you the path to follow, the information to share and the way in which to do so. Then you have done the best you can For this is not the density of understanding, and yet love flows as freely here as it does in any of the higher densities. Ask then your heart of love and let it tell you. Is there a follow-up query, my sister? No, thank you, that is wonderful. 
I am Cole and we thank you, my sister. At this time, we shall transfer the contact to the one known as Kathy. We are those of Quo. We are those of Quo and we are now with this instrument. We would like to ask if there is another query to which we may respond. Yes, I have a query. In order to or in the attempt to negate the negativity, which is a bad joke as it comes in, if the difference between wanting to be positive, which sometimes the word want implies a lack, or do we choose to be positive, loving, in service to others? This seems to somewhat shut down the inflow of negative energy, as I'm wanting to get some comment on this, if you would please. We are aware of your query, my brother. It is a most appropriate query at this time, for many among your friends and people's experience is negativity. And we would say that your choice of words, including the word choice, the choice to be positive in the face of anything in your experience, is always a choice from the true place within you, your heart, your very being. And if you or anyone is approaching life in all of its experiences, all of its different colorations of positivity, negativity, and anything in between, if you are approaching such experiences from a place of positive choice, a choice to love, a choice to come from your heart to meet that experience. You cannot be doing the wrong thing. You cannot be doing anything that would encourage or fight it back against such negativity. For such a choice that involves love does not engage, try to disable or try to counteract any such negative influence. It merely is love. It is the presence of love. And in that presence of love, the negativity and all the energy thereof loses its effectiveness, dissolves, in a sense falls apart. It cannot remain an influence that has energy gathered around it once the presence of love is in your mind and in your heart and in the experience in which you find yourself. For that presence of love is the greatest presence that there is, subsuming all other influences, embracing all in that powerful, healing, loving presence. So you may imagine, my brother, that the next time there is such an experience of that which you speak, that all you would have to do is the simple act of loving yourself, loving life itself, loving the experience and loving the source, whatever it is, of negativity and knowing that this love does all the work for you. It does all the work. And you rest in that love knowing that all is well and all will be well, letting love work out all of the answers all of the on-flowing experiences that come next for you and for all concerned. Love is the most powerful and yet gentlest force in all creation. It is the source of creation itself. And so go to that love, my brother, within you and stand in that presence of love and all shall be well with you. Question. We have a query, how does it feel physically, mentally, and emotionally to be in the presence of higher density service to other entities? For example, how did it feel for those around Jesus or those in Egypt around Ra when they came down? We are Quo, and we are aware of your query, my sister. This is an interesting query, and we shall try to utilize the experience of those in this circle and of this instrument to communicate that experience of which you seek to understand. However, we must caveat that by saying that each experience is unique and as singular and all-encompassing as a single grain of sand, those who have gone through this incarnational experience in the presence of entities who are of a higher density may describe the experience as though it is being closer to a source of light or a magnetism, if you will. Think in your own experience of how you have felt around entities who exude purity, whose light shines through their being without blockage. Think of experiences within your life where you have come across an entity who is unconditionally loving, who is compassionate, who is helpful, who is able to open their arms to you without question or without expectation of return. Or even simply think of the person you cross on the street who flashes a smile when you needed it most. Think of how that made you feel, how seen, how loved, how rejuvenated, invigorated, how pure the experience may have seemed. Think of how that inspired your own observations or contemplations on the experience. What came up for you in those moments? 
Did those moments challenge you in a way towards positive spiritual growth? Did those moments inspire you to act similarly? In those moments, were you able to see the unity of all creation? We can also liken those experiences to ones wherein you witness pure beauty, however you define it. Perhaps it's gazing upon an open vista with mountains or canyons or an open field. Or perhaps it is witnessing the unbridled spirit of an animal, a horse running freely, the tender love of a pet. Or even still perhaps it is witnessing the ways in which other selves step up for other selves and tend to other selves, especially in moments of crisis or turmoil. Think of how witnessing those moments made your heart feel the lightning, and by lightning we mean both the removal of weight of experience or weight of identity, and also in terms of a shock of brightness and energy that fills the heart. These are but a few ways in which the experience of those who have been around or spent time with entities of higher densities have felt or could describe. There's also the element of wisdom, how those of the higher densities may have reflected or imparted their wisdom upon other selves. However, that goes hand in hand with the free channel, free flow of love of these entities. For in those moments, perhaps, it became clear that love and wisdom go hand in hand, that the unconditional love has at its core a true wisdom to it, that it makes sense, that it is the true one original energy, and that all else is simply a distortion of that, those moments of enlightenment, where they realize the truth of the love, wherein the elements of experience that separate fall away where the walls that are put up that say I am me and you are you no longer exist. And in those moments when it clicks, when it shines so brightly that one might say, of course, love is all that there is. How incredibly wise and true we assure you that there are a plethora of other ways of describing those experiences with the other selves who have spent time with higher density entities. For certain, there were possibly moments of misunderstanding or perhaps judgment. For we are all, every single one of us, attempting to make sense of this illusion. The ways we see ourselves in this incarnation may challenge or be challenged by entities of higher densities. For it may shake the foundation of what you call status quo, or what has been ingrained within you through your environmental experiences. Your upbringing your various schools of thought within this illusion, but always at the opposite end of those moments were the opportunities to forgive and accept, to love, to see it for what it is, this chance to understand both self and other self and experience, to see the manyness of the creation boil down to the oneness. Is there a follow-up to this query, my sister? No, that was beautiful. We are those of Quo, and we thank you, my sister. At this time, we shall take our leave of this instrument and transfer our contact to the one known as Gary. We are those of Quo. Gary Channeling. We are those known to you as the principle of Quo, and we greet this circle once again through this instrument, finding that we are moving at quite the clip today, so to speak. We would ask if there is a query to which we may humbly speak. We are those of Quo. Yes, Quo, I have a question. Why do past life traumas carry into future lives? and not get healed in the life review of that specific life where the trauma occurred. I will expand upon that by saying I would think that one would want to be healed completely from a traumatic life before incarnating with new lessons so as to not interfere with the next life's lessons. For example, I'm currently working through healing some of my personal traumatic past life endings which are affecting my present body's neck area. But why was this not healed during the life review of those specific lives before my soul reincarnated? And why does my current body need to bear that trauma? We are those of Quo, and have received your query, my brother. Having been privy to this circle's discussions prior to this session, we are aware of your sharings on this topic, and would say that death by guillotine takes approximately 3.5 lives to resolve typically. Side note, there's a footnote to this that says the questioner reported recovery of past life information involving one incarnation that ended with the less than pleasant death by guillotine, though relative to the myriad other fun ways that the yellow ray body complex might cease viability, it doesn't seem so bad. Quo says, this is wholly untrue. We joke. We focus on your actual question. 
that being the work that the entity may do in between lives, in the realms of time-space, when the veil is lifted and all is seen, and the work that the entity may do within the space-time environment which is heavily veiled, and in which little is seen. In that which transpires between the death of one incarnation and the birth of the next, there is a full and thorough auditing, shall we say, or review of the incarnation that was, whereas in the incarnation much was confused, much was misunderstood about the self and the source of various pain or behavior or modalities of thinking. In the in-between state, this is all seen. The self understands wherefrom arose that particular compulsion, or that particular way of relating to others, or that particular strain of negativity, or that recurring theme within the incarnation that was intended to give the entity the opportunity to learn something more about the balance between love and wisdom, of opening the heart, of finding self-reliance, of forgiveness of self and others, and so forth. This seeing is as clear as is the looking at the book. For the entire incarnation, every moment can be viewed from the platform of the subjective experience of the incarnate self that was, and viewed through the eyes of others who the self had impacted or been impacted by upon the journey, as if watching a movie one in which data is available to the self beyond the simple reflection of light, a holistic view of that which occurred, and further those who undertook the journey with the self in various degrees of closeness, from the family unit to the intimate partner or partners, and so forth, also participate in this review. They with you and you with them as each contemplates the degree of success in learning that which was intended to learn. We find that your peoples tend not to make the most efficient use of catalysts, so there is always a good deal that remains unlearned, unexplored, and or missed during the incarnation. But you who are spiritual seekers train your attention upon the understanding or the attempt to understand yourself and to accept yourself, so you go very far in grasping and coming into an awareness of those lessons which you intended to learn. But a key difference to speak to your question between these two experiences, space-time and time-space, is that only in one may the lessons be learned, only in the veiled condition whereby choices must be made, ultimately with faith does the balancing take place. The reviewing process, the study where the distillations of the lessons are made clear, does offer the entity a healing, a respite, a releasing, so that it may start anew. There is no ounce of judgment even when reviewing the as-you-would-see-it worst of the self's behavior in the previous incarnation. There may indeed be sorrow for suffering caused unto others. There may be a form of lament of that which was in the heart's desires to be learned was not fully learned. There is no judgment, no blame, no recrimination, for even the so-called missteps of the self and the folly are seen and understood as to why they occurred, why the self was confused, why it missed the signpost, this is also true in the conversation that the self has with their companions in this life between life state. Instead, there is resolution to continue learning that which went unlearned or not fully processed or understood in the previous life without sense of punishment toward the self. There is no purgatory. There is no prison sentence as a form of recrimination for the self's missteps. There is only love for the Creator. There is a desire for wholeness and true self-discovery and to heal that which has accumulated not just in the previous incarnation, but the many before it in the long string of incarnational journey. Thus it is that the self in between incarnations will program for the self the continuation of those lessons, be they unlearned in the previous experience, or ready for the next level of refinement or deepening as the self seeks to peel away the layers of illusory, separate identity that it may discover its wholeness. How long these patterns persist through the incarnation is to the entity's use of its will and the balance between the pre-incarnational will, which you may see manifest in your programming, which is visible in those key relationships in the incarnation, in those recurring themes, in those particularly deep biases that the self has, and the will of the incarnate actor which acts from a place of not knowing, in the balance between these two, the pre-incarnational will and the incarnational will, the work is done. This 
is also why we counsel and encourage the entrance into meditation, that the incarnate will may listen closely to the pre-incarnate will and find what it was that the self intended for the self. What was the journey? What is the destination, so to speak, so that the self may find ways to cooperate, to trust, to surrender? For within the veil of circumstance, the incarnate will has several broad categories of options, which may include cooperating with the higher will that the intended work may be accomplished, or in being completely deaf to that will and meandering or going astray from that central guiding line and following other whims. This is the virtue and the handicap of free will or confusion, and there are no wrong answers, and there are no wrong mistakes. We correct this instrument. There are no mistakes, whatever the choice that is made. But there is, we would emphasize, a continuum of experience. Discrete, though the experience of the incarnations are, there is a continuum of patterning of energy that carries from one to the next. Perhaps limited, though the analogy is, like the grades in a school as the entity advances forward. In your particular systems, there are the long and often anticipated for by the young entity, summer breaks, and when the school curriculum resumes, that which was learned or unlearned may carry forward from the previous grade that the entity may continue its schooling. Unlike the conventional school system, however, where information is memorized and learned and repeated back, the incarnation offers the opportunity to learn through the polarization of consciousness which for the positive entity is centered upon non-judgmentally loving and accepting one's experience and seeking to understand one's experience. And my brother, we commend your work to take that which is an outer phenomenon, a symptom such as persistent pain in the region of your neck, in order to understand what its more metaphysical roots may be, in order to see what it reveals to you about yourself so that you may use the opportunity to balance this out, to integrate the self, and to come into wholeness and peace. May we ask if there is a follow-up to this query. We are those of Quo. Thank you, Quo. There's not a follow-up query. However, I would like to make a request that you send feelings of gratitude, peace, and love to the instrument, as well as the previous instrument, in order to combat the hardships they are currently going through. That's it. Thank you. We are those of Quo and appreciate the compassion circuitry expressed through your words, my brother, as do the instruments to which you directed your loving and kind energy. At this time, we would transfer our contact to the one known as Jim. We are those of Quo. Jim Channeling. I am Quo and am once again with this instrument. We would ask if there is a query to which we may respond. Gary. Quo, in the Law of One, Don is exploring the unusual situation whereby a negatively oriented adept is able to self-harvest. That is, they don't have to wait till the end of the 25,000 year major cycle at the time of harvest. They can choose the when and the where and the manner of their leaving. Ra names three entities, including Rasputin, Genghis Khan, and Taurus Bulba as three historical examples who achieved such a high degree of negative polarity that they were able to self-harvest. So my question is, who is Taurus Bulba? I ask because, so far as I'm aware, and anybody I've spoken to is aware, and so far as Google will reveal, Taurus Bulba is a fictional protagonist. Maybe he is an antagonist in a book by Nikolai Gogol. This seems bizarre that Ra would name a fictional character from a novel unless maybe there is historical roots for that. Can you speak as to the identity of the one known as Taurus Bulba? I am Quo and I am aware of your query, my brother. This is a query which has its roots not only in fiction, but in fiction designed to hide the reality that it describes. For those who have a negative polarity who are advancing along that path of service to self have many qualities which would, if made known to the general public of that time, shall we say, become seen as desirous of the qualities being expressed, so that there would be a repetition or a seeking to be that which was described. There is many times a kind of imagery that is given to reality in the times that are spoken of in this book. There is a part of the negative polarity's ability to be seen as that which did not actually occur, for the negatively oriented entity desires to work behind the scenes, shall we say. 
those who are adepts of this polarity are able to work from beyond the life experience that was their fictional representation within the book format. Thus, the negatively oriented entity may be able to affect both the entities about it within the incarnation and beyond the incarnation. This is an advanced process which negative adepts are able to produce because of their level of ability to create changes in consciousness towards negativity that is seen both within and beyond the incarnation. Is there a follow-up query, my brother? Thank you. I really look forward to the transcript. Unfortunately, I got a bit distracted by the answering machine, but for clarity, are you saying that the actual negative entity in question was an incarnate contemporary of the author and influenced the working of this book so as to convey the story of the negative entity while concealing their true identity? Sorry if I butchered that in any way. I am Quo and I'm aware of your query, my brother. What you say is a correct representation of our response with the addition that the affecting of the author of the book was done after the one known as Taurus Bulba had passed from the incarnation. Is there a further query, my brother? Yeah, final quick one. I suppose it connects to free will, but I'm wondering why Ra, in that case, would work with the negative entity's alias, so to speak, Taurus Bulba, rather than identifying who they truly are. And that's it. Thank you, Quo. I'm Quo, and I'm aware of your query, my brother. It is our opinion, informed by those of the ones known as Ra, that they gave basic information that was appropriate at the time of the asking. If there had been further information requested at that time, such as the query you now ask, there would have been further information given. Is there a further query, my brother? I'm tempted to ask that question, but we'll leave the rest where it is and not make too much focus of that. No, there's not a further query. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Quo. I am Quo, and we thank you, my brother. At this time, we shall transfer this contact with the one known as Kathy. If there are any further queries, we are known to you as those of Quo. We are those of Quo, and we are once again with this instrument and may ask if there is another query from any in this circle. Thank you for taking my question. I'm not even sure why I'm asking this, but I'm wondering if there's something that we should know about what's going on in the world because it just feels there's something imminent. I was wondering if you could give some enlightenment on why I'm feeling that way. We are aware of your query, my sister, and it is most appropriate one at this time in your space-time reality and illusion as you may see it. We may begin by illustrating this concept which you bring up with an image of an accelerating energy in your space-time. What is going on is what you mentioned is that acceleration of energy. And we may ask you to see an image in your mind of winds that are normally flowing at 5 to 10 miles per hour and how pleasant those breezes may feel to yourself as if they are a breath of fresh air, as if they are a calming influence and a reminder of the beauty of creation and all seems normal in such moments. Then we ask you to imagine in your mind that you may see the winds picking up speed, becoming faster and stronger, even 5 to 10 miles per hour in your measurements faster than before. And this changes the atmosphere of your environment in which you live and move and have your being upon earth at this time. And so it may make that earth experience feel different, feel that things are coming faster upon you, whatever those experiences may be. Such increased speeds of experience can feel like everything is increasing in speed, events, emotions, even life itself seems to speed up so that one may say at the end of a cycle of a day, where did the time go? How did we get to the evening so quickly? There is that common perception that many may have upon earth at this time. But we may sense in your query something greater that you are asking that in the speeding up of time itself, as it seems, the speeding up of experience and the energy that flows with it, that there is a sense of circumstances gathering that seem or may seem, in your words, imminent may seem possibly overwhelming the normal life experience, possibly overtaking what used to be known as normal life with its regular pacing of events. And if that is part of your query, my sister, we may explain to you that this energy that is flowing in a more accelerated way affects all levels of existence in Earth's third density at this time, such that individual experiences, as well as the collective experience of many individuals, and the collective experience of all those entities upon earth at this time are feeling this same acceleration. And so it may affect one's perception 
of individual as well as collective and even global events. It is as if one reaches those experiences faster than one had before, faster than one is ready for them. And even so, this acceleration has such effects upon those upon earth at this time, and all living entities feel this. We may say, as we have said before, that living in and from the presence of love may calm that sense within you, within all, because within the presence of love itself, that greatest and gentlest of power, there is a calm, there is a sense of all is well within that space. Even when the winds seem to blow more strongly, more quickly, in a more sped up fashion, it is always possible to find that stillness, peace, and calm, the great presence of love with which you can surround yourself, with which you can bathe yourself within your being. Pause a moment within that love and the stillness of that calm and see if perhaps the acceleration of energy around you might feel a little more distant from you. That you may find that peace in your own life, in your own body, mind, and spirit, and walk in that peace. Carry it with you so that others may feel it. The energy of the time is accelerating toward fourth density, as you well know. The in-streaming energies into earth cause these energies to feel this way to you. But we say to you, the power and the presence of love is always available to you as the foundation of your being and of all being. There, the great love of the one infinite creator is always available to you no matter what is going on around you or within you. We may say that this may only be a partial answer to your query, but we ask if you find this adequate or if you have a follow-up question, my sister. Thank you, Quo. As I understand what you're saying, it sounds as if these energetic changes are part of the transition from third density to fourth density. Am I understanding that correctly? Yes, my sister. We understand your whole query. The energies have changed. And this is a part of the progress being made toward fourth density. Thank you, Quo. Thank you, my sister. Question? I wanted to know how consistent it is with the law of one or how accurate it is for a writer known as Thaddeus Golis, who described creation or the universe as breathing, and that relative to that, that biological entities in that breathing of creation that we expand and contract, and that in our expansion is when we are at our most spiritual and we contract into, I'm going to use the word density, not in the same way, but that when we contract, we're dumb. We don't know what's going on. And that's just the nature of rhythm. That we must only wait until the expansion comes again. Is that a consistent description of creation? We are those of Quo, and we are aware of your query, my sister. Through this instrument, we feel the need to state that we shall attempt to answer this query in two pieces. Firstly, the idea that the universe is in a sort of rhythmic breathing in and breathing out, and that those within it are connected in that rhythm, to that point we would say that in some ways, yes, this is true insofar as the creation is in your vision a living being, and the universe, the entities within it, within your illusion, they are all living and breathing extensions of the creator. And insofar as they are extensions of the Creator, they too are connected and intertwined in a symbiotic relationship, a give and take, one with the other, a nurturing and nurtured kind of relating. In that sense, there is a bit of resonance that the, for example, planet upon which you reside has been experiencing an increase in vibration and intensity that has grown on an energetic level and that informs or can be witnessed and felt by those on this planet that there is this communication of energy between planets and planet dweller, and that communication can redound outwards towards galaxy, towards universe, that there is this, for lack of a better term, umbilical cord that links the various expressions of creation back to the creator, that what can be felt by one could be perceived and felt by another along that umbilical cord, if you will. To the second piece, that there is a cycle of expansion and contraction that is rhythmic and in line with the universe and how that manifests in the experience of the entity that we feel is a bit more difficult to speak to. As we stated previously, there is a relationship between the energies of the universe and how they are experienced by the entities who dwell within it. However, the play of how that expansion and contraction are universal. Indeed, each extension of the creation will have its moments of expansion and contraction as it moves forward in density 
as it moves forward in spiritual evolution, for that is the dance through which the soul learns its truth, its connection to the divine. However, the idea that it occurs in line with the whole universe, that the universe expands as the entity expands and contracts, and that the entity follows is a difficult to state as fact. For you see, each soul is on its own journey of growth on the spiritual level and has that communication with the energetic field around it. But the moments of contraction are ultimately an opportunity to exercise free will or choice that the entity has elected to a challenge or to choose a direction with which to walk, left or right, north or south, up or down. And we give all those directions without judgment or connotation, simply to state that there is a choice and that while one entity may choose a path that is a longer walk towards unity and understanding, its brethren may choose the path towards a quicker realization of that unity. Where one may choose fear, its counterpart may choose love. This is all to say that we feel in examining the experience of this instrument and attempting to speak through this instrument that the concept that these occur in line with one another may be difficult to identify or confirm. However, the expressions the manyness of the Creator, all of you extensions of the creation work together to weave experience. Along with the planet and the universe, each of you acts as a thread that plays with other threads, other entities, other souls, other atoms to weave this tapestry by which the Creator uses to understand itself better. In that sense, it is always and ever in a state of flux, if you will, but that flux being one of powerful, potent opportunity that propels it forward towards realization, that dynamic of challenging of faith and of realization of truth that interplay so perfectly along with the development of love and understanding that push the spiritual walk forward, the universal evolution forward, keeping in mind that this process is always in flux and in regeneration, that is to say that there is a constant in that flux for lack of better phrasing. And finally, to speak to this idea that the moments of contraction are when the entity may feel or may be veiled in its experience and unable to touch that which is its spiritual truth or to feel activated in the heart or soul, those are cyclical in the sense that they will appear in your incarnational experience to help guide the soul to learn the lessons it has chosen to attempt to learn. And you will notice that those moments of contraction, those challenges, will be met again if not fully accepted and learned in that sense, they are cyclical, they are intentional, for they were chosen for the self to understand itself and grow to faith that all is well and that love is at the center of this creation. We apologize if we have not spoken to the extent to which is clarifying and we would ask if there is a follow-up to which we may attempt to afford this question a bit more clarity. No follow-up, but it was a perfect answer in that my question is truly about faith and faith in love, so I thank you. We thank you, my sister, and we are appreciative for this opportunity to speak on such a topic. At this time, we shall take our leave of this instrument and transfer the contact to the one known as Gary. We are those of Quo. We are those of Quo, and we speak once again through this instrument, grateful for the challenge that each instrument presents us before we may speak. We open ourselves to any question which may be present in the group. We are those of Quo. I have a question. Can you give us the story of the origin of Quo and why it was necessary to create a social memory complex which consisted of other social memory complexes? And how did each of the composing social memory complexes communicate the idea to each other to form the Quo complex? And finally, do the individual social memory complexes that create Quo still exist by themselves or are they now unified under the Quo complex? We are those of Quo and have received your query, my brother. The origins of this particular collaboration between the ones known as Latui and those known as Hatan and those known as Ra have their beginnings in our work with this particular group, the ones known as Carla and Jim. In particular, the one known as Carla especially had been trained to an accentuated degree in working with those of Hatan and those of Latui. And though not in a conscious fashion, in spending time, you might say, with those of Ra on a level very well below the threshold of any conscious awareness or understanding. In her particular work, this instrument prayed to receive the highest and best channel of which she and the circle were capable of receiving. 
And we discovered that by blending our energies, we could contribute something greater than the sum of each of our parts, so to speak, considerable though those parts are. We, those known to you as Latui, serving as something of the spokesperson of the group, Hatan, could blend their abundance of fourth-density love and understanding with the fifth-density clarity and seeingness and wisdom of those of Latui, with input and inspiration from a perspective beyond paradox, from those known as Ra, into a coherent and unified message, balanced as best as possible between these evolutionary stations which our three groups represent. Collaboration at our level holds none of the difficulties that you in third density experience in terms of harmonizing in the open, free flow of honest and loving communication. It would be difficult for us to have sitcoms at our level as so much is premised on misunderstanding within your experience. We have full openness to and awareness of one another and receive each other in full embrace and joy. But much like your experience, there is the joy of the shared project, the shared mission, woven into the foundational code or beingness of each sentient being in the universe is desire to form connections, to work together, to commune and merge one with the other. What better means to do so than through shared work, shared mission, shared service to others? particularly for such a work that calls to our hearts, one that inspires us, that is to be of aid to your peoples and your great and palpable suffering. In the cosmic ecosystem, we are one body, and due to the long trend toward bellicosity in your world, as this instrument was just refreshing itself when reading an article from the one known as Doug, there is great concern, confusion, disarray, and tears as your people are locked seemingly in this chronic sinkhole of indifference, whose souls yearn for forward movements on the evolutionary curriculum, but who upon incarnating find themselves unconsciously repeating and repeating the patterns of the past, the history from which they cannot awake. So it is that we hear that call, not just in an auditory sort of fashion, but within our own beings. We feel pain and wish to serve and to shine light. And while those within our group and our many brothers and sisters who lend their support to this planet serve in a spectrum of ways, including the constant beaming of support, of love, of comfort, of a message that each is not alone, that each has the support that they need, there is also the desire to remind seekers of their inherent power to use their catalyst to discover themselves as the creator and to turn on their light or to open up to allow the Creator's light to come through, that they may then go forth, shining that light into your planetary sphere, so that others may similarly be reminded of who they are. This has been a long-standing mission of those of the Confederation. As the cry from your planet grows greater and greater, our desire to serve and to empower those of your planet to do the work that they came to do grows stronger. This grouping that is known to you as Quo has not erased our distinct identities and home environments, as you may see it. It is a project which we share between one another that creates cycles of teach-learning between our groups that would be unavailable to us were there no third-density worlds to work with. Each in our group is enriched by this experience and considers it a profound and unique privilege and blessing to be doing this work. We love immersing ourselves in the waters that is quo. We experience time in a way fundamentally different from your own and have learned not to be caught in the stream of fixation upon past or future, but we may say that it is an opportunity about which we are eager to participate. Is there a follow-up query? We are those of quo. No, thank you. We thank you, my brother, and at this time we complete the circuit and transfer our contact to the one known as Jim. We are those known to you as Quo, Jim Channeling. I am Quo, and I'm once again with this instrument. We would ask at this time if there is a final query to which we may respond. Quo, if you don't mind, I have a question from V and her study group. The question is, we as a group are trying to spiritually awaken people through regular meditation and our work with the Law of One material. Would this work be considered service to others? And in this way, would this work to help us to move along in our spiritual progression towards the next positive density? I am quote, and am aware of your query, my sister. 
the forming groups to engage in the meditative practice and seeking to be of service to others is a process which we find is most helpful on your planet at this time, as it would be upon any third density planet, for you are all part of that one creator which you seek. That one creator is available to you in a meditative state, so that when you listen to that still small voice within, you are listening to the one who is in all. Such meditative techniques and organizations and groupings are that which pave the path to the fourth density of love and understanding. This is the way in which the confederation of planets in the service of the one infinite creator has suggested throughout all time within your third density experience, whether it be in channeling groups such as this one, in contact in the meditative state, or in the daily life experience where our presence may be felt, in sending love and light to various groups and planets, this is our connection. We are all the one infinite creator that exists as seemingly separate portions within your third density illusion. That you are emphasizing the working together is that which is most important for each one teaches the other. There are many ways of experiencing the creator. And as you share your own way, you enlighten others as to another way and give a doubling effect, shall we say, to the seeking of all. For that which you seek is within you. That which you seek is without you. That which you seek is in all entities. Those who together seek may far more surely find. We thank you for your service to others, for your love, and for your presence in the promoting of this seeking by other groups as well. At this time, we shall take leave of this group and this instrument with the greatest of gratitude to all present for lending your energies to enhance our ability to utilize the instruments to respond to those queries which you have within your hearts, within your minds, within your beings. All of this is the great process, the great work of working together to find that path within to the fourth density of love and understanding. We are known to you as those of Quo. We leave you in the love and light in which we found you, for that is all there is. Aronai Vasu Boragas. That concludes this amazing channeling from Quo, and lots of different wonderful questions are answered. I am so happy they finally asked about Taurus Bulba because I had looked up Taurus Bulba and could not find anything. And it's quite interesting that in the original raw material that Taurus Bulba was mentioned as one of the service to self figures that had self harvested. There's lots of stuff that we can pull from this. And it is interesting that in discussing service, they talk about having to request permission to be of service and how that goes about. Sometimes you just know somebody needs service. You certainly don't have to ask somebody who's fallen down if you need to pick them up. And so there is a psychic component to service that helps me in my own service, and I appreciate that particular question. I'm fascinated by what it is like to be in the presence of higher density entities. There have been several profound moments in my life when Clearly, I was in the presence of a higher density entity or within higher density energies. And it's so hard to explain. I cannot explain it when I'm outside of it or I'm not in it. And the memory is not there. I can't give you the words to experience. And so I was appreciative that they gave an explanation that helped me. It really does feel like standing on top of a mountain. I've had several wonderful experiences being from Wyoming and living in Colorado, where I'll climb the mountain and I'll look out over the horizon and just see the most beautiful vistas. And that is the same feeling, that feeling of awe when you are in the presence of these energies, when an entity is around, that feeling of joy and happiness, that awe, that comfort, the love that you feel. And I appreciate an explanation of that and have you experienced moments when you felt like you were within different energies or possible higher density entities that were around and don't you wonder what it was like for those who encountered Jesus back in the day when you meet somebody that appears to come from a higher loving perspective it's palpable you can feel it you know that there is a presence with them and I have heard this from many people that I've interviewed and talked to that have been around gurus and people of higher densities. And I'm 
fascinated by that. I'd love it if you could share your own experiences. If you felt like you've been around higher density entities and what it was like to be in their presence. Another great question is the feeling that something's happening on this planet. I know you feel it. I'm probably looking at the chat as I listen to my own episode right now. And I'm seeing people confirming that they feel something is happening. Really interesting explanation is that you're used to that calm breeze and suddenly the wind picks up and then it affects everything else. And that is kind of what's happening. This energy has picked up and we can see it in the way that people act, in the technologies around us, in the way that people think, in our movies and creations. There is this higher energy that's flowing in our environment and changing the world. And it is quite fascinating. Finally, they gave a story of, quote, often one of the most difficult questions I get is, who is Quo? And I'm so deep into this, having read so many lectures, I sometimes don't give a correct answer because oftentimes it just sounds complicated when I say, oh, it's a group of social memory complexes to somebody who doesn't even know what a social memory complex is. So what do you say? I think their explanation here is very interesting, but most importantly, it's a group of entities that are spiritually inclined that answer spiritual questions. That's the best way I can answer it for someone who might not know all the verbiage and inside baseball around the things that we're talking about. So let me know your favorite part of this channeling. Lots more channelings are coming in the future. Sending out all my love and light to everyone as we merge together in this group as we join together every day, we are one no matter where you're at, whatever part of the world that you can hear my voice, whether you're driving your car or sitting in meditation right now, I'm with you. I'm one with you. You are looking out of my eyes. I'm looking out of yours. And we are all one. And I send you love. And I send you light. And I see vibrance and happiness and joy. And I want you to feel that awe of these higher densities together as a group. We are changing the world and we are encountering the one creator of all. And I am overjoyed and grateful to share it with you and share these learnings and experiences with you. You can find all episodes of The Reality Revolution at therealityrevolution.com. Be sure to check out my art at newearth.art and welcome to The Reality Revolution. <laughs>